Okay, thanks for coming to our friend tryouts. Uh, we just have a few questions to see if you'd be a good match for us. If you could date one of our mothers, which would you date? Have you ever been to prison? You know that one thing you did that one time with that one person? Why did you do that? You got any yo mama jokes? Do you think Jesus was good at bowling? I don't suppose you could teach us how to duggy per se, but could you teach us how to knit? Where do babies come from? Be specific. Sing your favorite air supply song. Do you believe in corporal punishment? How much time do you spend skipping when no one is looking? So from like one to needy, where do you fall? Did you lie about liking Celine Dion music back in 1995? Do you hear voices in your head? I don't, I don't think so, no. Hey, welcome today to all of our live churches and our network churches and those of you joining us from countries all over the world at Church Online. Also a big shout out to LifeChurch.tv, Stillwater, Oklahoma, celebrating the 10-year anniversary today. We congratulate you and are so thankful for all that God has done over the past decade. Uh, today we are starting a brand new message series called Friending. And I want to just say that I honestly believe that for many of you, this has the potential to be the most significant message series of the year that could impact your life in the years to come. Because if we get our friends right, the right friends set us up for success in every area of life that matters. The flip side is true as well. If we get our friendships wrong, that can set us up for more pain, more trials, more struggles, and more destruction than I could possibly explain. In fact, a key thought, if you're taking notes, that we'll visit and revisit again over the next four weeks would be this. Write this down. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me the people that you spend the most time with, and I will clearly show you the trajectory of your life. In fact, Solomon, thousands of years ago, said the exact same thing in a different way. Proverbs 13.20 records the words of the wisest man who ever lived, and he said, walk with the wise, and what do you become? All of our churches, let's all say it aloud. He said, walk with the wise, and you will what? You will become wise. He said, on the other side, for a companion of fools does what? A companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, if you hang out with people who are better than you, wiser than you, smarter than you, have better marriages than you, are better with money than you, are better leaders than you, you're going to become like them, and you're going to rise, they're going to help you rise to their level. If you hang out with a bunch of idiots, a bunch of party fangs, those people who get in trouble, they're going to drag you down to where they are. You show me your friends, and I promise you, I can show you your future. In fact, as I look at my life, if there's any area of success in my life, it is directly tied to God using the right people to lead me to the right mindsets or the right actions. You show me any area of success, and I will show you how God used the right people to help influence me in the right direction. On the other side, just like you, when I got into really big trouble back in earlier seasons of my life, I rarely got into trouble 
alone. Who knows what I'm talking about, okay? Almost every time I was running with people doing the wrong things and allowing them to influence me in the wrong direction. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. So here's what I want to do to kind of build a foundation for you to think about as we go through the next four weeks. What I want you to do, and I want everybody to do this, all of our churches, those of you online, I want you to take a moment and list your closest friends. Don't think about it, just start doing it right now. List your closest friends. Don't write down your spouse, I'm talking about outside your family. Don't write down your dog, you know, you know don't write down your imaginary friend. I want to, the people that you can call at two in the morning, the people you can be transparent with and they know everything about you, the people that you know intimately and they know you intimately, I'm talking about your closest friends. I see some of you are not writing. I want to see you write down right now. I can feel some of you in Florida are not writing. I can feel, I've got that power. It's something that God gave me. Write down the names of your closest friends. And as you're doing so, I want to tell you something that sociologists and leadership experts have taught for years, and it is this principle. Are you ready? You are the average of your five closest friends. In almost every area of your life, you will be somewhere in the middle, the average of your five closest friends. You write down those you're closest to and you watch. Chances are financially, you're kind of somewhere in the middle. You don't make the most money, you don't make the least money, you're kind of in the middle of the pack of the five people that you run with. Morally, okay, if you're a partier, okay, if you were stoned last night, chances are three or four of your closest friends were probably stoned too. Why are you looking at me like nobody got stoned last night, okay? <laughs> it happens, all right? It happens. There's probably somebody at our church that got stoned last night. Don't look at me like it never happens, okay? Now, if you're pursuing God with all of your heart, chances are three or four of those people on your list are pursuing God with all their heart as well. You will be the average of your five closest friends because you like it or not, your mom was right. You become like those you run with. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. And so as you look at those you listed, the question kind of arises, are you hanging with the right people? Do you want to become like those that you are with? Or would you look and say, if I really want to please God, maybe I don't have the best influences around me. Think about every area of your life. You want to have a good marriage? Are you hanging with people with a good marriage? Do you want to be stronger financially? Are you hanging with people that understand how to manage money? Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Do you want to be in better shape? Are you hanging out with people who eat Twinkies for a hobby? Or do you hang out with, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. You are, in almost every area of your life, the average of your five closest friends. So, as you listen to the message, listen to it in light of the people you spend the most time with. Now, let's define friendship so we can use this as a baseline definition for our uh, next few weeks. Proverbs 17, 17 in the FBV says this, a friend 
is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. <laughs> this person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> Proverbs 17, 17 from the Facebook version. Okay, so that's not real, but you have to admit that Facebook is having a real impact on how we define friendships today. Proverbs 17, 17 from the real version says this, a friend does what? A friend, say it aloud, everybody, a friend loves at all times. What is a brother born for? A brother is born for a time of adversary. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had a handful, maybe five, maybe six, maybe seven friends who loved you all the time. Not just for a short season of your life, but I'm talking about for decades where you end up knowing their spouses and investing in their children, where there is cross-pollinization spiritually where you learn from them and they learn from you and you make each other better. That they love you enough to tell you the truth when you're doing something stupid where they love you enough to kick you in the backside when you're about to do something that would hurt you, when they're there with you to celebrate in the good times and they're there to cry with you in the times when you hurt. What if you had a community of people like that that stayed with you for decades? A friend loves at all times. The problem is, according to sociological studies, very few of us have friends like that anymore. In fact, according to the American Sociological Review, the average American today only has two close friends. And chances are, many of you, in fact, the majority of you, when I ask you to name your closest friends, you probably put down two people, which may not seem alarming to you unless you know that just two and a half decades ago, just 25 years ago, the average American had six close friends. And in just two and a half decades, our close friendships have been cut on average by one-third. And no one seems to notice or even care. What's even more scary to me is that fully 25% of Americans, one in four, report that they do not have a single close and trusted friend. Something is desperately wrong with this picture. So, friendships are declining, there's no doubt about it. Why do you think it's happening? I did a lot of research, and based on my research, I'll give you the top three reasons, not necessarily in this order. Why are friendships declining? Number one, it's pretty obvious because of increasing work hours. We are connected all the time, we're working all the time, people are working so much they're not developing relationships. Number two, friendships are declining because of rising divorce rates. Studies show not only are divorces hard on families, but they're hard on friendships. You get this money and you get that money and he gets the kids on this day and she gets the kids on this day and he gets that friend and she gets that friend because friends then choose sides and friendships break down. Number three, and according to some, this is the top reason uh, for friendships declining. It's debatable, but it may be the case. Number three reason is this, because of the explosion of social media. The explosion of social media. Now, 
Uh, I wanted to say up front very, very clearly that I am not against social media. There's a lot of great uses for social media. Would you agree that our church loves to leverage technology? Would you agree? Absolutely, completely, all day long. There are a lot of great benefits. I personally regularly use three different types of social media, Facebook occasionally, Twitter, Instagram. I like to stay connected with people, and there are a lot of benefits. But whatever you think about social media, you have to acknowledge that social media is redefining the way we define and how we think about friends. For example, years ago, I can guarantee you that none of you ever thought about picking up the telephone and calling every friend that you've ever had to tell them what you're having for breakfast, <laughs> right? You don't do that. But now a lot of people think nothing of just broadcasting, I'm having oatmeal for breakfast, okay? And a lot of you will take a picture of your oatmeal to show everybody this is what you're having for breakfast. And what experts say is now, rather than becoming more concerned about face-to-face -face intimate friendships, we're becoming obsessed with our online image of what people actually think we are. We'll share our heart and our thoughts and broadcast them in 140 characters or less. We'll put on Facebook a post of how we're feeling or how someone can pray about us. And then the best is we'll take a picture of ourselves, a snapshot in time. I mean, we're talking, boom, a mo moment in time. And if we don't like the lighting, we'll do it from another angle and we'll, we'll get it just right. And then we'll put a filter on it to make it look better, and we'll frame it, and we'll carefully craft the perfect statement, and then we'll upload a moment in time, and we'll sit around and wait for our friends to like it. <laughs> Seven likes in only five minutes. Ooh, this is a good picture, okay? And, and we feel like we're connecting with other people because of that. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. You can stay in touch with, with other people, but it needs to be a supplement to relationships, not a replacement. And so often people are allowing it to replace the intimacy of relationships. And so what we have now is we've got people with uh, more likes, more fans, more followers, more Facebook friends, and yet they are more alone than ever before. They recognize something is missing. Something's not right. And I can't speak for any of you because I still do see significant value in social media. But the more I get involved in it, the more I crave face-to-face, -face, intimate, personal depth in my relationships. Because it cannot be a replacement, it can only be a supplement. So. Let me tell you where we're going to go in the upcoming weeks. It's a long introduction, but let me tell you where we're going to go. Um, next week's message, I'm calling One Friend Away. You are, I promise, one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. In fact, if you listed two or three friends, I can promise you God wants more for you than that. And when you have the right friends, they will help lead you to the right destiny as you will do for them. And I'm going to show you the three types of friends that every one of us need from the life of King David. And I can promise you that every one of you will see a need in your life, and God is going to stir a desire to build that friendship. 
Week number three, I'm calling it one community away. Not only does God want us to have friends, but he wants us to have a community of friends, people that we do life with. In a world that applauds independence, be independent. Don't, don't, don't rely on anything or anyone. We are so far from the heart of God who created us not to be independent, but to be dependent on him and on his people. Many of you are one community away from changing the course of your destiny. Week number four, I'm calling it unfriending because it is absolutely impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. And yes, we're always gonna love people and always gonna treat people like Christ would want us to, but sometimes Christ would draw a boundary and redefine some relationships, and we're going to learn how to love people in a safe way without allowing bad company to corrupt good character. So in the weeks to come, we're gonna talk about the friends that we need, Today, I want to spend our last few minutes talking about the friend that we need to be to others. I want to talk about rediscovering the lost art of friendship, and I really wrestled with what to talk about because I'd like to say about 10 or 12 different things, but I've narrowed it down to what I consider to be the most important two greatest needs that I see based on my interactions with people in our world today. Rediscovering the lost art of friendship. Two thoughts if you're taking notes. The first things I wanna beg you with all of my heart to learn to be present. To be present. In fact, if you don't mind, would you just repeat this after me? Everybody say this aloud. Everybody say, I will, I will. develop my friendships face-to-face, face face. not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Thumbs. Okay, I will develop my friendships face-to-face, face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Okay, or four-finger-to-four-finger four for those of you that are one-finger typers, okay? Face-to-face, face, not thumbs-to-thumbs. Thumbs. And not belly-button-to-belly-button. That's for your spouse, not for your friends. We are good friends, but not friends with that kind of benefits. You guys are really quiet. I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm up, I'm up here having fun. You guys are sitting there like, I don't know. Anyway, so, so we're going we're gonna to be face-to-face -face because presence matters. When you think about this, when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, here's a book about me, go study it. What did he do? He said, hey, come Follow me. In other words, let's, let's do life together. Let's journey together. Let's, let's wake up in the morning, have breakfast together. Let's get to know each other as we travel from one community to the other. The best way I can impart the love of my Father to you is to be with you and have you be with me. Let's be present with one another. In fact, what's really interesting in my research I found is that our children, and parents, you need to hear this, our children are more dissatisfied with their parents' obsession with technology in general than parents are dissatisfied with their children's obsession, okay? It's not to say that parents are doing it more, that's probably not the case, but the children are more dissatisfied because they want your attention and when they want it, they can't get it because you are on Pinterest ready to change the world with your latest recipe 
oh, you have no idea how great this is going to be. I mean, this is going to, like, change our family forever. Hey, mom, 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 wait, 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 wait. Someone just posted something on Facebook. Woo. Okay. And, and they are extremely distraught because you are not available. How many times do you go to a restaurant and you see a family of four or five sitting there all together and what are they doing? All of them. Be present. Be present. The, the writer to the Hebrews said something that has been true throughout history and couldn't have been any more prophetic for our time at this moment in history. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the writer said, let us think of ways to motivate one another toward acts of love and good works. Now, what a great thing to do. When's the last time you've got together with your friends and go, hey, hey, let's do something significant in this world. How can we go serve someone in the name of Jesus? Hey, hey, where can we go just to, to, to make God's love known? Let's, let's spur one another on to good works and acts of love. And then he goes on to say, and let us not neglect our what? Everybody say it aloud. And ne- let us not neglect our meeting together. Okay? This word in the Greek is used two times in the Bible, only two times. And it means to meet physically with a spiritual purpose. Let us not neglect our meeting together with a spiritual purpose, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not give up meeting together. You see, there is power in presence. There is power in physical presence. In fact, I learned this uh, years ago when the church was just barely getting started. I was 28 years of age, and my oldest daughter, Katie, was three years of age at the time. And I went to do kind of my first tragic death pastoral experience where a family lost a three-year-old little girl, their daughter. And I was scared spitless. I mean, I was so nervous. I was young and, and hadn't done that kind of thing before, and I didn't know what to say. And I prayed, God, help me to do it right. And I walked in, and I tanked, man. I choked. I saw the family, and I thought, I mean, I was feeling the pain because of my daughter's age, and I just started crying. And I walked up, and I cried, and they cried, and I cried, and they cried. And it was an ugly cry, you know, snot, you know, the whole thing, just ugly cry. And at the end of, after all this crying, I never said anything to them. The only thing I could do was some, like, weak prayer, and then I walked down the room, and I got in my car, and I'm like, well, you suck as a pastor. Here they are in their great time of need, and that's all you could do. And I got what's one of the nicest notes a few days later from this family I will never forget. They said, you have no idea what your visit meant. When you walked in the room, we felt like God was showing us how much he loved us and that he was going to be there for us. And here's what they said. I never will forget. They said, everything you said was just perfect. (laughs) I didn't say anything, okay? I didn't say a word. But in their mind, it wasn't, my presence said everything that needed to be said. There's something about presence that is incredibly powerful. When I was hurting um, a while back, the, the stress of the church had me down, and physically I was, uh, I was, just, I was hurting. And um, Amy sent out a text to our life group and said, would you pray for Craig? He's really in, a, in, he's in need right now. Well, a couple people texted me and said, we're praying for you. And that meant so much. But there was one couple who said, 
uh, he responded immediately, uh, we're coming over, you can't stop us, we'll be there in 15 minutes, and we're coming to pray for you. I gotta tell you, when people pr said they were praying for me, that meant a lot. But when a couple came over and grabbed our hands and called on the name of our God together, there was something different about that. It was, it was so much more powerful than praying for me when they got together and prayed with me. There's something that happens when two or three gather together in his name. There's something about his presence and his goodness. There's something that happens when someone just doesn't send you an email like, hey, I believe in you, you're doing good. That means something. But when someone looks you in the eye and says, I see something great, in you. I believe God can do more. There's something that happens when someone gets on a plane and travels across the country to be with you when you're grieving and just to be there in your presence and, and, and hold you when you're hurting. There, there's something about someone who comes at, to watch your kid get an award and says, your kid is important to me and they're there physically with you. There's something about presence. Be present. And I'm not talking about just physically present, but also emotionally present, because you can be there but not be there, right? In fact, I've got some uh, young staff members. I, I really like these guys. They're 22, 23, 24 years old, and they get together once a week for lunch, and they, they go out together to literally encourage one another in the things of God. And what they do when they get there is they all have an agreement. They take their cell phones, they put them face down in the middle of the table, and they say for the next hour, all of you are the priority, not what is coming into my phone, but those that I am with, okay? I wonder how different your family, how different your friendships, how different you would be if you made the people that you were with the priority. Put the thing down and look at those who are there. Be present. Let us not give up the power and the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. The first thing I want to encourage you to do with everything in me is be present. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Get open. Open up. Be transparent. In fact, experts say there is a new phobia that's one of the fastest growing phobias in the world. You know what this phobia is, this new phobia. The new and fastest growing phobia is this. The fear of talking on the telephone. Okay? You laugh, but a lot of you, when your phone rings, you let it go to voicemail, and then you text them back. You listen to the voicemail later on. And the reason people are afraid of talking on the phone is because they cannot control the direction of the conversation. When someone texts you, what can you do? Oh, him again. I'll deal with this later. And you're in control. And you think about what you want to say. You can type it out, you can edit it, you can delete it, you can carefully craft your response and you're in control. On the phone, you're not in control because you don't know where the conversation's gonna go. And it's even funnier to me is that they're saying now because people don't know how to talk on the phone, they don't even know how to get off the phone. They don't know how to end the conversation. So they don't wanna talk on the phone, then they get on there like, oh, okay, and they're breathing, you know, because they don't know how to get off, okay? <laughs> Which is really interesting because now people do not know how to share their hearts. They can be somewhat controlled, open on a post on Facebook, but they do not know how to do it face to face. 
get open, be transparent. In fact, there's no verse that's more powerful perhaps than James 5.16 that says this, confess your sins to whom? Somebody help me out. Confess your sins to each other, not just to God, but to people. And pray for what? Pray for each other. So that what's going to happen to you when you do this? When you confess your sins to trusted believers and pray for each other, what are you? The Bible says you may be healed. How different would you be spiritually if you get together with your trusted, intimate Christian friends and you say, man, I am struggling with anger. My parents made me so mad, I just can't deal with it anymore. And then you talk about it and they give you godly advice and they pray for you and they encourage you. Think about how different you would be. Here, here's the thing, you may want to jot this down. This is so important. We, we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. That's so good, I want to say it again. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. It's when we're transparent. It's when we're vulnerable. It's when we drop the online persona and, and, and the image and we say, here's what I'm going through, man. Here's what, here's what makes me afraid. Here's where we're struggling in our marriage. Here's the temptation that I can't seem to overcome. Here's the fear that I continue to have. It's, it's that we say, oh, I'm like that too, or oh, I'm like that, and, and suddenly we start to connect, and there's an intimate connection when we're transparent. In fact, one of my favorite stories about transparency, years ago I was traveling, and I was in a connecting airport somewhere. I went into the um, men's bathroom because even pastors have to go just <laughs> once a month or so, you know, and so, just, you know, so I walked in the bathroom, and I looked there, and on the ground by the toilet was a, a Playboy lingerie magazine. Now, I wish as your pastor I could think, well, who left that vile magazine in the bathroom? But honestly, uh, what my first thought was kind of like, you know, a, a ninth grade boy with like, whoa, I wonder what's in there, okay? And I mean, I'm mean, just being honest. And, and it, it, thankfully, kind of right after that thought is like, you know, walk away, get away, run, run away, run for us, run, you know, and so <laughs> that's, that's what I did, I ran out, like, don't give me, you know, don't open up, and you know, and, and so I got, I, you know, I know that might disappoint some of you, I'm sorry, I, I was a man long before I was a pastor, and it's just, that's just the truth, and so I told the church that the next weekend when I was talking about overcoming temptation, and so that night, there was a life group meeting of um, uh, kind of young college and career age um, uh, students, and uh, one of the guys said, well, since Pastor Craig talked about that, I'm going to tell you, he said, I struggle with um, pornography and masturbation, uh, and I've never told anyone this, and my, my whole life has been a battle. There was this first-time girl there that had never been to a small group before. She was a brand-new Christian. She looked all like, they're going to kill him, because that's what Christians do to people like that. But instead, they embraced this guy. And they, even the girls, they like prayed for him and they showed compassion. And she was so moved because she had a three-year-old daughter and she paid the bills by actually was a stripper. And she hated it. She, she hated it. And she just opened up and cr started crying. She said, I'm a new Christian. I know this is wrong. I wish I didn't have to do it. It's the only way I can pay the bill. And guess what happened? That life group, first time she was there, one guy said, hey, 
hey, if you quit your job, I'll chip in to help pay the bills. And someone else said, I'll do the same thing. And suddenly this whole group got excited and said, you will help pay your bills until you get another job. And the very next day, that's exactly what she did. She walked in, quit her job. On Thursday of the next week, she got a new job. And now this lady helps get other girls out of the industry because of a group of people that loved her enough to help her become who God wanted her to be. How did that happen? That happened face to face and in the power of transparency because people connect through weaknesses. I can't tell you how much I believe God wants you to hear this message. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And listen, if you don't have a lot of friends, your future is not what God wants it to be. Because we were not created to be independent and on our own, but we were created to know him and be dependent on him and be dependent on his people because we are incomplete without his body and his church. And the good news is, no matter where you are, God can bring the right people into your life, but it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen on purpose if you'll be open to what God wants to do. Father, I pray today that your spirit would do a divine work in our hearts, that we would be different, God, because we've been in your presence. As you pray today at all of our different churches, some of you may take a moment and acknowledge, something's not right in my life. Some of you are going to say, I don't have the right friends. Others of you, you're going to say, well, yeah, I probably do have the right friends, but I really don't have the right amount of time and the depth of interaction with my friends. Wherever you are, if you would say, hey, before God, I, I, I see the, the, the incredible value of this, and I want to commit to be present, to get open, and to develop the intimacy of strong friendships in a way that would please God and help me make a better difference in this world. If you'll do that, would you lift up your hands right now, all of our churches, just lift them up. Man, I'm so thankful for you. I'm gonna ask again because there's not a whole lot of hands. I, listen to me. Listen to me. It does not get more important than this. Those of you who would say, yes, I really want more. I want to invest in others and allow them to invest in me. I will be present and I will get open. Lift up your hands. All of our churches right now say, absolutely. God, thank you for those who, who want to reflect your heart of relationship. God, I pray that you would help connect us with the right people. I believe with all my heart that we are one friend away from changing the course of our destiny. And God, we may be one friend away of changing the course of someone else's destiny. God, make us like iron, according to your word, that sharpens one another, that makes us more like your son, Jesus. God, give us a heart to show your love and a desire not to settle for a counterfeit, to sure, God, use social media and, and, and all the good that we can get out of it, but God, not to let it replace, only supplement the deep relationships that you want us to have. God, give us a desire to know and be known, to serve you faithfully in a community that would honor you. As you keep praying today at all of our churches, think about this. If you look at your close friends, and I want you to think for a minute, if you look at the people you spend the most time with and they are not consistently pursuing God, you are the average of your closest friends. What does that tell you about you? You're not consistently pursuing God. What's hard to imagine 
is that the God of the universe is a relational God. So much so that he didn't send a letter, but he sent his son, Jesus, who was without sin, to become sin for us on the cross, to die and be raised from the dead, so that anyone who calls on his name would not only be forgiven, transformed, and changed, but you would actually become what scripture calls a friend of God. At all of our different churches, there are those of you who recognize I'm doing life without that. Today, I wanna call on Jesus. I wanna make him first, my King, my Savior, and my Lord. I also wanna know him by the power of what God says. I wanna know him as friend. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. Today, I turn to him and give my life completely to him. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now? Lift them up all over the place and say, yes, that's my prayer. Right up here, both of you close to me. Right here, over here on this side, God bless you, and there as well. Right back here in this section, way back here on this side. Fantastic. Right back over here, say yes. Up here, all three of you right here close to me. Man, what's God going to do through three people right here? Others of you who say, yes, I need his love and grace. Church Online, you click right below me, right back over here in this section. Would you all pray aloud with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Today I turn to you, and I trust in you to be the Savior of my life and my Lord. God, make me your friend that I could show your love in every way to everyone. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. At all of our churches, would you go crazy? Would you worship big? Welcome those born into God's family today.